Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Juliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Some of you have come to church just to hear that line. That's the line that God wanted you to come to church today to hear. Because some of you, your heart's been broken. Some of you kind of feel rejected and neglected and that God's just turned his eyes away from you. But it's not true. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to let you down. He's got your situation, and He's going to see you through. He is good. Everybody say, God is good. God is awesome. You know what? I want us to sing the whole song. Come on, let's all stand together. You know, we've just got to be a little bit more prophetic. A little bit more prophetic. Just Sometimes we've just got to put our agendas aside. And just let the Holy Spirit do what He's wanting to do. Because we need to declare the goodness of God today. We need to declare that God is good in every situation. And no matter how dark your situation looks, it's not over. It's not over. You're in the middle of something and it's not over. But the goodness of God is for real. Come on, let's sing it. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, team. Wow. How good is God? How good is God? I'm so glad that you've come to church today. Some of you I've not seen for a little while, but I'm glad that you're here today because God wants to speak to you. So... um, I've had an interesting week this week, just struggling with my health, and um, I've got this very deep, resonant voice today, and, uh, but I've got a word, I've got a word in my heart, and uh, God's God's helped me through this whole week. I really should have um, probably been in bed, but I've been ministering in Wollongong, doing pastor's intensives. In Wollongong for pastors, I've been in Armadale doing district meeting for pastors in Armadale, and uh, been a then I was at a funeral on uh, Wednesday in Newcastle. And but I'm here today with a word in my heart for you, and uh, and so I'm going to give it my best shot. Okay, so um, we've been started. We've been starting this series called The Big Nine. And uh, some of you have got bookmarks. Have you got the bookmarks? Uh, Did you get the bookmark? The Big Nine Promises of God. They're in just a seat pocket in front of you. There's, um, There's bookmarks. How about that? Yeah, take it home. Put it in your Bible. Because just behind you, there's a, there's a, there's, yeah, there you go. If you're on the front row, there's no seat in front of you, but there's one behind you that you can grab hold of. That's it. And uh, we're going to keep printing as many of these as you take. And, 
Because it's a reflection of the heart of God. You know, the Bible is full of promises. Uh, so many promises that we can't count them. So people have tried to estimate. And the estimations of the promises of God go from somewhere between 3,500 to 7,000 promises of God. How awesome is that? How many of you know that God doesn't make those promises if he can't keep them? And so what I'm doing is just focusing in on nine. And I call them the big nine because they're connected to a covenant that God has made with us. How many of you know what covenant is? Covenant is legal contract. So if a covenant is made, it's a legal contract to the degree that your integrity is based on you keeping the covenant. And so he's God saying, I'm actually making my name a covenant name and contracting with you and putting my integrity at stake that this promise will not fall short, it will come to pass. And so when we're looking at the nine covenant names of God, they're the nine contracts of God that he makes with us and his integrity is connected to those contracts. He will never let us down. Never let us down. And so... The first covenant name of God that we're looking at is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God who provides. And uh, this revelation is found in Genesis chapter 22. And I want us to read the story in Genesis chapter 22. But before we read, well, we'll, we'll read it. <clears throat> but before we read it, I want to give you the background to the story. So God promises Abraham that from him... Um, he's going to have descendants that will outnumber the, sounds of the, the sands of the seas and the stars of the heavens. And through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And God makes this promise, and there's a slight problem. The slight problem is that his wife's barren. How many of you know that sometimes God makes you a, a promise, and in the midst of the promise, there are problems? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? There are difficulties and impossibilities. But God doesn't make you a promise without knowing the difficulties, the problems, and the impossibilities. But he still makes the, prob the promise. Why is that? Because he is bigger than any difficulty or problem or impossibility. And so they had to wait. And they waited. And they waited. And they waited. And so between the promise... And Sarah actually having her womb open so she could bear the child was about 20 years wait. How many of you waited for a promise for 20 years? How many of you have been 20 years and still waiting? Well, I know one promise that went for 400 years. The, the children of Israel were in Egypt for 400 years. Is there anyone here that's waited longer than 400 years for a promise? <laughs> Okay, so uh, it feels like it. Yeah, on the front row here, it's felt like more than 400 years. He'll never let you go. He'll never let you down. And he's not a man that he should lie. And so they waited. And 20 years of waiting, and all of a sudden, Isaac was born. In their old age. 
You know, Abraham was approaching 100 when, when, when Isaac was born. And now, you know, so they're excited. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. This is awesome. We just love it. And here is our one and only, even though Ishmael was, was their other son, but he came the wrong way. He came through Hagar, not through Sarah. And so then on this particular day, God speaks to Abraham. And this is the context of the story in Genesis 22. Let's read it together, Genesis 22. And, uh, and it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Everybody say, God tested Abraham. Let me tell you something. If God's going to test Abraham, he's also going to test you. Matter of fact, maybe right now you're being tested. Anyway, so Abraham's getting tested. And, uh, and God says to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. I love that incredible response. Then God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, the one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. How many of you know that right there I would start having difficulty? Is there anyone else here that would have difficulty? I'd be saying, get behind me, Satan. Uh, I'd be saying, no, that's not... God doesn't want burnt offerings of human beings. What's going on? Do you know what was Abraham's response? It just boggles the imagination. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled the donkey, took the two young men and Isaac, his son, split wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Can you imagine having the conversation with Sarah? Can anybody here imagine that conversation? Hey, Abraham, where are you going? Oh, don't worry about it, Sarah. <laughs> Come on, where are you going? Do you, how many of you think he would have said, he said, I'm going to Mount Moriah to offer our son as a burnt offering to the Lord. How many of you think he would have said that? He would have died right there on the spot. He wouldn't have gotten there. She would have killed him to protect Isaac. I think he would have said, look, I, I'm, I'm going to Moriah to, to, um, you know, to worship the Lord. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the bird offering and laid it on Isaac. Wow, what an incredible picture that is. So all this wood is on Isaac's shoulders. I don't know if you get the picture there. How many of you see... See the picture of the sun with the wood on his back climbing up Mount Moriah. Are you getting this? Are you sure you're getting this? Because this is not coincidental. Huh? A father and a son climbing a hill of sacrifice. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father! And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. 
And he said, Dad, we've got the wood, we've got the fire. But where's the lamb for the offering? Now, I want you to get this, because listen to Abraham's response. My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. God's going to provide. How prophetic was that? So the two of them went off. Then then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son. I think by this time, Isaac's wondering, what is going on? Laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And as soon as that knife was about to come down, the angel of the Lord called out from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. I don't know about you, but every time an animal has been trapped, it's making a heck of a noise. This must have been the quietest trapped animal in the history of mankind because Abraham hadn't noticed until that moment this ram. God just provided this miracle here And sometimes the miracle is there and we don't even see it until God points it out. And it's there and it's been prepared and right from the beginning it was there. It had been trapped for I don't know how long, but I guarantee that from the beginning of the journey it had been trapped. It was there all the time. It was just waiting for Abraham to notice that God had indeed provided. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And now this is what I want you to focus on. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. Yahweh Yidah. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And then I want you to notice this. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. How many of you know that it was prophetic about a hill called Calvary where another father was going to sacrifice his son, his only son, the son that he loved, who carried the wood up the hill. And Father God was saying to Father Abraham, you don't have to sacrifice your son. Because I'm going to sacrifice my son. I will provide for you. And I will provide for others. Because I am the God who provides. I don't know if you can get this. But if God is willing to sacrifice his only son. His only begotten son. He's most precious and provide for you 
your salvation through the sacrifice of his son, what will he withhold from you? If he can give you his most precious, think of everything else he can give you. God will provide. Matter of fact, that word God will provide, actually when you dig deep, it's God sees and seeing will provide. Many times we don't get the revelation that God sees. Many times we forget that God sees exactly where you're up to, what you're going through. While you were sleeping last night, God was seeing. I know that it seems creepy, but many times I I, I would go into when Christelle was a baby. Not when she grew up. That's a bit creepy. But when she was a baby in a cot, I'd literally go into the room and watch her sleeping. How many parents have ever done that? There's absolutely nothing more beautiful than looking at your baby sleeping. There's just there's something just so beautiful, and some of you are just thanking God they're sleeping now because thank God that they sleep sometimes. It's just awesome. But just to look at a baby just at peace brings peace to you. While you were sleeping last night, God was looking out for you, saying, you know what, I've got you covered. See, it's not just God will provide, but God sees your situation and he's got it. This wristband that we wear, and if you don't have one of these, not only grab the bookmark, but grab the the wristband, because this God's got it is literally Jehovah Jireh. God will see to it. God will see, God sees your situation and God's got it covered. Matter of fact, he's got it covered before you even knew that you needed it covered. He had the lamb, he had the ram caught in the thicket before they even knew they needed the ram. It was already there. The provision was already there. They just had to get to the place where they could find the ram. It was already there. God had provided it. God will provide for you. That's the covenant name. Can I just say to you that as father, my biggest role as a father is to provide for my kids. That's why they can relax as kids. Christelle never once ever stressed out about turning up at tea time wondering if there was going to be food on the table. Ever. Ever. All she knew was, this is an Italian home. There's always food on the table. (laughs) There's salami in the fridge and cheese in the cheese box. Uh, this family loves Jesus and it loves cheeses. <laughs> Isn't that true, Rocco? We love Jesus and we love cheeses. Provolone, pecorino, and, and uh, you know. This is the thing is that part of my job as a father to provide. And you know what? Father God is, is much, much more excellent than I am, as if he's not going to provide for you. Can you be a trusting child that just believes in the character of God? So, the name, Jehovah Jireh. The test. Let's talk about the test. The tests. The tests. This scripture starts with 
And God tested Abraham. God's going to test you. Matter of fact, maybe right now you're going through a test. What's he trying to test? Well, in Abraham, he wanted to test where his priorities were. Oh, come on. You know, when you're waiting, 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 waiting for a son and you get a son, I mean, it's very easy to sort of push God to the back of your first love and your son to the forefront of your first love. And, and it was like, okay, Abraham, take your son, your only son, go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there. Yes, Lord, whatever you want. What? How many of you would have gone so quickly? It was a test. Abraham knew that it was a test. Because he knew it was a test, he was wanting to pass the test. Our problem is that sometimes we don't know that what we're facing is a test. And so we lose motivation to pass the test. And all we do is complain about the test and whinge about the test and whine about the test rather than saying, this is a test that I'm going to pass. Wouldn't it be awesome if we looked at every trial and tribulation in our lives as a test? This is my test. Do you know what? I'm not going to fail my test. I'm going to pass my test. So God's looking to test you to see your priorities. Where do your priorities lie? Because this world is constantly wanting to become a priority in your life. And God's wanting to say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. But what we're looking for are the things rather than God. And when you get God, you get the things. And God's always wanting to find out whether you love him more than the things or the things more than him. Just be careful that the things don't replace God. He's testing you. He's testing you. Here's another thing that God is, is testing. Patience. How many of you love it when God tests your patience? Hmm? I, I, I told people a long time ago, stop praying for patience. Because you don't have to pray for it. God's going to test you for it anyway. But patience is... It's connected to perseverance. And perseverance is connected to trust. And trust is connected to faith. So all these things come together. Because it's so easy to abandon faith when things don't go the way we want them to go as quickly as we want them to go. We live in an instant noodle soup society. Huh? How many of you have got the instant noodles? Just boil the water, put them in, and bang, it's done. Huh? How many of you like 10 hours of slow cooker? Huh? Let me ask you a question. How many of you would rather have instant noodles versus 10-hour slow-cooked lamb? Because let me tell you, when something is slow-cooked... It takes a bit longer, but boy, it's a lot tastier. And sometimes God puts you in the slow cooker. <laughs> and he just cooks you for a little while. And, and, and you just don't like it. But God likes what eventuates out of it. He's testing you. He's testing you. He's testing you. He's testing your patience. He's testing your faith. And he's testing your trust. 
whether in the midst of the slow cooking you trust that God is going to finish what he starts or whether you're just, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with God. Well, I asked him for something and nothing's happened. He's Abraham, 20 years asking for the son. Maybe the son is 20 years old, 40 years after, and God's saying, give me back the son that I gave you. Yes, God, whatever you want, God. Raise that knife, put it in. Yes, God, whatever you want. What's going on here? I trust. And in Hebrews it says, he trusted God so much that he knew that even if he killed his son, God was going to raise him from the dead. That was trust right there. What's God testing you on right now? And how are you doing with the test? Here's another thing I want to talk to you about. How God provides miraculously. You know, God sometimes provides naturally and God provides miraculously. There's natural provision and there's miraculous provision. You know, when I read the Bible, I just see so many miracles of provision. I mean, the ram caught in the thickets. How many of you see that as a miracle of provision? What about when the children of Israel are in the wilderness and they're, they're complaining to God, we've got no food. And, and in Exodus 16, God says, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. How many of you think, wow, bread from heaven? The manna came down. There was bread from heaven. God raining. How awesome is that? You wake up in the morning and there it is, outside of your door, all the food that you need for that day. How awesome is that? You know, when I read, uh, uh, when, when I, when I read um, the Bible, I just see so many miraculous provisions. Can I, can I just tell you, one, one of my favorites is, is Jesus telling to Peter, hey, go and throw your line in the water and you're going to catch a fish. How many of you think, well, that's a good thing, just catching a fish? How many of you have never caught a fish in your life? And so he's Peter, casts the line. And then Jesus says, and then what I want you to do is open the fish's mouth because inside the fish's mouth is a coin that's enough to pay your taxes and my taxes. How many of you want fish with enough coins that'll pay your taxes? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome? But don't you think that's awesome that God's interested in even your legal liabilities and is wanting to provide enough to pay for your taxes, your legal liabilities? Just he's the God of provision. And then, and then, you know, I love the fact that God not only wants to provide for your need, but sometimes he actually even provides for the luxury add-ons. What's, what's that? How many of you remember the story of turning the water into wine? I mean, the fact is nobody was going to die that day if the wine ran out. How many of you know that nobody was going to die? They're all still going to live. If they just drank water that day, they would all still live the following day. But for, for that miracle, it was like a luxury. It was like the best wine. And sometimes God says, I want to provide for you, not just your needs, but here's some luxury stuff as well. How many think that's awesome? Just make sure that the luxury doesn't become your first priority and you become greedy out of. Provision. I want to give you two metaphors that will help you in provision. Because sometimes you've got to know how to go with an abundance 
And sometimes you've got to know how to go with a little. This is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. I mean, what's interesting is when we read Philippians chapter 4, we read the verse after the setting, and we've all memorized, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you know that verse in Philippians 4.13? You know, we, we love that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the context of that verse is really, really interesting. Why is that? Because Paul is talking to the Philippian church who have given him a huge love offering, and he's just so grateful. And he says in verse 11, Now I speak to you in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. What a great thing that is. I'm content in whatever state I am. I'm especially content to be in the state of New South Wales. That's the best state in all the world in which to be content. I love Australia. Good country, Australia. Um, Then he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Those two Greek words are very interesting. In other words, I know how to survive with a little. I know how to be abased. And I also know how to enjoy a lot. He says, you know, what happens in life is that sometimes I I, I do life with a little and I'm content with that. And then there are times where I do life in prosperity with a lot and I'm content with that as well. He says, I know how to abound, and I had to abound everywhere in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You get the context now? We leave the preceding verses out sometimes. But this is what I love about this because he's Paul saying, Do you know, this is what I find is that. God provides. Sometimes he provides a lot. Sometimes he provides a little. But God always provides. And the metaphor that I want you to understand is what I call the metaphor of the barrel. Everybody say the barrel. I want you to picture a barrel. And the barrel is all of your needs is in the barrel. All that you need is in the barrel. And so I think with most of us, we like to have our barrel full. And so when we have a need, we go to the full barrel and we pull out all of our needs out of the full barrel. But at the end of the day, how many shirts can you wear at once? You know, how many shoes can you wear at once? You know, how many dinners can you eat at once? You know, how many beds can you sleep in at the same time? And so just one food, one shirt, one pair of shoes, the barrel is still full. But what gives us comfort is all the rest of the stuff that's in the barrel. And so our comfort is in looking in the barrel and seeing all the stuff. But sometimes what happens is that God says, let's get through a season where the barrel is not quite as full. And you actually got to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get your pair of shoes. You got to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get your food. You got to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get your bed. But the point is this you've still got your shoes. You've still got your food. You've still got your bed. You've still got your comfort. What's the difference? The difference is that we prefer the security of the full barrel. But sometimes what God says is, I want to take away your security of the full barrel so that your security becomes Jehovah Jireh, 
your provider. And that's what Paul said. I know, how to, I know how to live life out of a full barrel. I know how to live life out of the empty barrel. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because my understanding is Jehovah Jireh. God's going to provide for me. Let me give you the second metaphor that is so important for you to get. Are you ready for this? I call it the metaphor of the source versus the metaphor of the stream. The source versus the stream. So I get wages. Wow. Let me tell you, compared to my wages uh, uh, 38 years ago, I'm doing incredibly well now. Because 38 years ago, my wages were $25 a week. Now it's a lot more than that. Praise God for that. But you know what? On $25 a week, this is what I've learned. I learned that my wages were not my source. They were a stream. And so what happens is, is you've got to understand that, that there are lots of streams that come your way. So some of you are smart enough to say, do you know what? I've, I've developed, so I not only have wages, I've got investments. How many of you got investments? I hope that you do. I hope that you're smart enough. Because I say to my kids, I say, listen, if you're just going to be dependent upon wages, you only just get your needs met. But you've got to create investments and investments are other streams of income that come your way. So if you want to be prosperous in life, open up streams of investments. You know, there's not only investments, there's superannuation, there's uh, 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 inheritance, there's uh, all sorts of streams. There's gifts. Can I, can I just say to you that if you ever put all of your trust in a stream, you're going to be disappointed. Because one day that stream's going to run dry. One day you're going to lose your job for whatever reason. Might be a financial crisis, but that stream's going to dry. One day those investments are not going to be so good. Those dividends on your stocks aren't going to be so good. Those things rise one day, they go down the next. So what do you need to understand? What you need to understand is this, that God is your source. And that the source will never run dry. The streams will run dry, but the source will never run dry. And Jehovah Jireh is the source. So if you look to your... And so this is what so many people mistake life because they put all of their faith in their wages or all of their faith in their investments. And when those investments... Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it was during the 30s when there was the great, the great Depression of the 30s. Some of the guys that were doing the lifts would ask people coming into the lift, he says, uh, are you staying or are you jumping? Because some of them would go right to the top of the building and jump off the building. Why is that? Because their, their stream had run dry. And as far as they were concerned, it was all over. Whereas if your focus is on God is my source 
And if one of the streams runs dry, then God will provide from another stream. He will send the ravens. And if the brook Cherith dries up, he'll send me to Zarephath, where there is a widow with a little cruise of oil, a little bit of flour, and she will provide for me. Why is that? Because it's not the brook Cherith that's my source. It's not the ravens that are my source. Not even the widow of Zarephath that's my source. They are all streams that come from the source. Jehovah Jireh is my source. That, my friends, settles it all. Come on up, please. Let me finish today by saying this. You need to stop worrying. You need to stop stressing. Because God, your source of supply, Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees and seeing will provide, never slumbers, does not fall asleep, doesn't ever pass out out of exhaustion, but is on the job. And if you think he's slow at this moment, he's just testing you. He's testing to see whether you're going to persevere. He's testing you to see whether you're going to keep trusting him. He's testing him. He's testing you to see whether you're going to say like Job said, Lord, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. I'll just worship. Who can I turn to be? You're the source of life. You're the source of light. You're the source of love. And he will provide. He sees and he will provide. Can I tell you right now, it's not over. Nah, you're just going through something at the moment. It's not over. God will turn this thing around. I want you to put your hand on your heart. I want you to say this, God, you're going to turn this thing around. I don't know when you're going to do it. Come on, say it. I don't know when you're going to do it. But I know that you will do it. Because your covenant name is not you can provide. It's not you might provide. But it's you will provide. You will provide. And I thank you for that. <laughs> you will provide. Now, Lord, I just speak right now provision in every area. Come on, if you need provision, if you need God to provide, whether it be, you know, healing or breakthrough or resources or, or just something in your life, I just want you to open up the palms of your hands to heaven. You know, uh, salvation for your family. You know, healing. Right now, I, I, I know that my wife Anne is in bed sick today. She needs a provision of healing right now. And I, I, I'm, I'm reaching out for God to provide healing into my family, into my home, with my, with my wife, for her to be totally healed. I'm sure that there's, I doubt whether there's one person here that needs nothing at all from God. Come on, just open up the palms of your hands and say, Lord, will you just provide right now? Lord, I, I just know this, that this is a covenant. This is not a theory or a theology. This is a covenant. This is not just empty words, 
But this is the character of God is connected to this covenant of Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And Lord, I'm just so grateful for what you have provided. Lord, when I look over my life, I just see time and time and time again where you've come through. Lord, even in the history of our church, I look and I see time and time again where you've come through. And Lord, you're not a man that you should lie. You will come through with your promises. You will provide. You will break through. And Lord, and I just pray turn around in the mighty name of Jesus. Turn around in the mighty name of Jesus. For some of you, the greatest thing that God wants to provide right now is the forgiveness of your sins. And if you need your sins forgiven, I just want you to put your hand on your heart because as a church, we're going to pray together. Come on, let's all pray this prayer together. I want to say, Father God, I thank you that your greatest provision was your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who carried the cross to the hill of Calvary and there paid the sacrifice, paid the penalty for my sins. Lord, if this is the only thing that you've ever given me, it's enough. I'm so grateful for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And today, Lord, I accept that sacrifice. With thanksgiving, I accept Jesus. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.